Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. Recording this on Wednesday evening, day one of the NCAA Outdoor Championships, first day of the men's meet. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon. Matt Gordon, hello. Kevin, you're talking very monotonely and like very droggy. We just saw a crazy finish <laughs> in the 10K. Who had Patrick Seaver on their uh, top three? potential even number one overall finisher on their board outside of the state of Oklahoma. I don't think anyone did. <laughs> outside the city of Tulsa. You're right. You're right. I'll bring more. I'll bring more energy. This is this late night recordings, Gordon. I got to get used to them because we got the three more days of this. And then we got, of course, a bunch of uh, trials days coming up. Overall, what were your, what were your thoughts of the meet? I know we're going to go race by race. We're going to break everything down. We're going to spend a lot of time on the 10K. But overall, what were your thoughts on, on day one? Yeah, I mean, I'm just surprised that no one that we would have had on our list won that 10K, especially a 10K where the talk of the entire season has been what will Kip to do, what will Kip to do. You have Kurgat, who's the defending cross-country champion in the race. Hold on, I'm just trying to mute this TV. Uh, There was just – no one was talking about the guy from Tulsa, and – Deaver was legitimate. He got fifth in cross, and I kind of just he just got overlooked by the NAU guys, by the one-two punch of the Iowa State guys, by Connor Mance, who won cross. But for him to be in the mix and be able to win it was one of the more shocking results I think we could have expected. Part of me was thinking it was going to be a Robert Brandt win, which would have been the ultimate, like, I am no longer going to be getting eighth in any race. Uh, he ended up getting fourth, but... You look at that reaction from Daryl Zaziki. Who, who TF is Patrick Deaver? Exactly. Who is he? Well, he's 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 not American. He's from England. He uh, got fifth in cross. He has legitimate track times. He's run sub thirteen thirty. Um, so he has the talent, but he just had yet to have that marquee performance. Um, he you know he competes in the American Conference, and no one's really looking at. 
the American Conference results. But uh, he has some speed. He has a 341, 1500 PB, mm-hmm. and uh, 28, now 27 minute, 2740 ish, 10K PB. Question is, uh, is that I'm not, I mean, I think the British championships and all the qualification for the Olympics is pretty much already in the bag. But you got to think if he keeps on developing in these next few years, he will be hopefully maybe in the Mark Scott range, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. see Mark Scott, he won the 10K the, uh, a few years ago, his Tulsa. senior year. And Tulsa, man, they, they know what they're doing. They got Chris O'Hare coming out of there. They got Mark Scott and now Patrick Deaver. We don't the even know how to say line. his last name. Is it Deaver, Dever? What do you, how do you even say his last name? That's how <laughs> shocked we are. How do you even say his the- last name? The pipeline is the pipeline is real. Yeah, I want to dive more into this race, but before we go any further, we recorded our last episode before we got the news of John McDonald passing. So this is our first opportunity to talk about that. So I want to mention it at the top of the show. Legendary coach for Arkansas's men's cross country and track teams, Gordon, and just a titan in the sport. For those of you who do not know about John McDonald. If you're new to the sport, you should go back and look. If you go back and look through the results from decades past, you'll see a lot of Arkansas next to team champions in those three sports. And those were McDonald teams. 40 titles total, 40 titles, 19 indoors, 11 cross country, 10 outdoors. He did the triple crown six different times. There was one stretch where they won 12 straight indoor titles the athletic director at arkansas called him quite simply the greatest collegiate coach in the history of intercollegiate athletics so that's not just talking about track or cross country it's talking about in all of college sports and there's an argument obviously for that i mean when the amount of titles you win gordon is more than the years that you spent at the school that's saying something 40 titles in 36 years yeah, it's kind of weird looking back at the record books. It's kind of like, I, I know I always like doing basketball references, but it's kind of like a Wilt Chamberlain type stat. You know, everyone talks about the 100 point game. No one's ever going to touch that, averaging 40, 50 points and 50 rebounds. That's what McDonald was doing on the track with team titles and the dominance for multiple years. Like you said, 40 team championships across three different seasons. It's insane. It'll never be repeated. Uh, we think what the current, you know, when NAU wins f- four out of five or when Florida wins a bunch of outdoor titles over a, a period, nothing of that compares to what Arkansas did in the 80s. Uh, it's definitely something that won't ever really be repeated, especially now with the talent kind of going all over the country. Um, but yeah, he's one of the pioneers, right, for collegiate um, track and field and collegiate cross country. And I think a lot of coaches, you know, uh, now kind of, they all strive to be just a, a fraction of what McDonald was during his tenure at Arkansas. I remember talking to Lance Harder a couple years back when he was going for the triple crown at Arkansas as well, or three championships holding three championships at the same time, I should say, right? Because they got they got indoor, outdoor, and then they got cross the next season. And I asked him some generic question 
along the lines of, well, what would it mean to you or what would it mean to the program? And he said, hey, I'm at a school that had John McDonald where <laughs> championships, triple crowns in particular, happened quite often. So that was not to say that was the expectation, but it just put everything in perspective of like, okay, that's awesome. You got one. Well, you're coaching at a school where somebody did that thing six times and you'd still hear coaches, you know, re reference back to what he did, some of his indoor teams where he'd bring just a handful of people, a miler, a couple jumpers and leave with the title. Obviously, if you can do, if you can excel in cross country and then also indoor, which we know is, is sprint, sprint jump heavy, right? And you can do both of those things for that long a period of time. It means that you, you figured it out you figured it out and to do it that many times for, for that, that long. I agree with you. I think it's one of those things where we're just not going to see it again. Yeah. And you see, uh, while you were talking, you know, Wallace Spearman, you know, one of the Mark key athletes coming out of Arkansas, uh, put up a post, but like just basically the entire Arkansas community is kind of reacting to this rallying around this. I'm not sure if you noticed, but I believe on the Arkansas kits at this NCAA championships, I think they have, a patch or a sticker mm -hmm. or some little icon to kind of uh, memorialize, commemorate, commemorate uh, McDonald. And it's not even just Arkansas. Like you see Houston coaches talking about him, people from other conferences. He was just, he, he was transcended across the entire collegiate system because what he did at Arkansas will never be done again. And, uh, it's pretty wild. He had a, he lived a long life, uh, so um, I'm sure a lot of people who were coached by him and people who worked with him that's definitely feeling it right now. But I know that they got to be a part of something that no one else would be able to be a part of in the future years because he was one of a kind. Mm -hmm. And with that, we'll move on to the action on the the track today. So let's start first with this, this 10,000, the only running event final of the day. Listen, from the gun, this was strange because there was a number that I saw for Wesley Kiptu's first split that let me know we were in for something very, very bizarre. Cause I thought we'd see straight up 60, maybe if he was being cautious, a 61, never, in my right mind, Gordon, did I imagine we'd see Wesley <laughs> Kiptu go out in a 63 for a 10K, even though that would be insane, an insane pace to, to take on. But you could just tell he was not trying to break this field. I thought for a while, hey, he's going to do everybody a solid because he's just basically going to serve as, as the rabbit then. And if you look at these final times, he did. Basically, everybody in the top 10 except for Connor Mance ended up getting a personal best. Actually, everybody except him and Connor Manns in the top 16 walked away with a personal best. And that's due to Kip 2 setting the table, to Kip 2 running splits that were fast, but not insane after the initial 63. Like he goes to 68, 67, 66, 66, 66, 67, 67, 67. But it became clear with six laps to go that this race was not about Wesley Kip 2. And that's where I was like, wait a minute. Now the whole, any plan you had, if you're running in this race, went a bit haywire because you were planning for chaos. You were planning for 60. You were planning for a, you know, 415 opening mile. Like you weren't planning for 
conservative Kip to. And then when it happened, I'm sure deep down they were grateful, but strategically it probably threw them for a bit of a loop. How did you see it? Yeah, I mean, once I once I recognized that it wasn't going to be what we thought it would be, and even you know Edwin Kerr got not being in the mix, yeah, and I was like, okay, that the Iowa State one two dream is definitely not happening. I just started thinking about the combinations of like who is going to like mm-hmm. you, you. I was like, okay, the favorite right now is Mance, right, because he has the most experience. He's the one who has proven himself. Uh, now that Kiptu's out of the picture, but like, is there going to be an upset? And I, I did joke around with uh, Johanna when we were watching this race. I was like, watch, I bet you the Tulsa kid wins. And then he won. And I was like, of course, because it kind of reminded me of the, uh, the Ben Flanagan, you know, mm-hmm. race where, you know, Ben Flanagan came out of nowhere, won for Michigan over Vincent Kiprop. We just have a lot of sometimes really random 10K results when we don't have the obvious winner, like when Lowey and Chez were dominating, you're kind of like, all right, you know, there's that one guy who's going to win. Everyone's fighting for second. But as soon as Kip two is out, we were like, okay, we're going to see a first time champion most likely. Um, and but you didn't think Mance, in- you, why weren't you thinking, okay, this is Mance's race then with six to go. I thought Mance was the, I thought it was his race, but I didn't think it was a for sure type thing. I was like, Mance could be beat because I looked at like Abdiham and Nur. He didn't look tired. There's just a lot mm-hmm. of people. It's a group of five or six. And it's kind of like, all right, like when it's, there's just a lot, too many variables, too many people to just guarantee that Mance is going to get it. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what we saw. I mean, they were all together in the fine, all the way through to like the final 50. And then uh, Deaver pulls away and wins it. Uh, and they ran legitimate time. It wasn't like a, a fake yeah. like twenty eight forty win. It was twenty seven forty one. There's some Americans in this race who just qualify for the Olympic trials, which actually yeah. is going to be a factor because Galen Rupp was was ranked twenty sixth overall. So on descending order list, and I knew one person was scratching. Blaze Farrow was going to scratch, so he was ranked twenty fifth. But now that you had Isaid Rodriguez just got uh, a qualifier, mm-hmm. Charles Hicks just got a qualifier. Galen Rupp might not be going to the Olympic trials now because of this crazy NCAA race that we just saw. Not that everyone's thinking about that one random thing, but you know, it's just a fun fact. I I love how you just jumped all the way over to to Galen Rupp. Also, I believe Charles Hicks is British. That's the second time. Oh, he is? Okay, never mind. American citizenship to a British athlete. (laughs) Listen, it's, it's, it's easy to do this in retrospect. But I'm thinking, and especially because of how fast they ran, but when I was thinking about Mance's chances, I did not think they would be best served by five or six people together at the bell. I thought they would be better served by a longer drive for home. And when you look at his time, 27.42, it's really fast. wasn't a PB, but still really fast. It's hard to think, oh, he should have done this different or could have done that differently. Or maybe if he knew Kip 2 was not himself, he would have done something different. But he wanted a long drive from home, right? I think his plan was going to be similar to cross country, absorb the blow, absorb the blow, make the big move with with 2K to go. And the fact that Kip 2 wasn't himself, I think, changed that. But by that point, it's too late. 
you've committed to the race plan and then are you going to make a big move with 1200 to go it makes your choices very very difficult so i think Mance got stuck between a rock and a hard place there with how that race played out. And I think most people would have made the similar decision as he did because you're going against a guy in Kiptu who's literally only done one thing. But listen, we know why Kiptu went out that slow right now. He wasn't feeling good. Something is up with Kiptu, right? I mean, that's <laughs> that, that like clearly they were using him as a, as a rabbit, but that was, that was Kiptu going full gas on June 9th, given whatever he's dealing with. That was not to you know, changing his strategy, I don't think. Do you know what would be a very, like, hilarious Kip2 type uh, thing to happen next? Is that Kip2 goes into the 5K and runs, like, 13.05 and yes, runs it. Yes, Like, that yes. would totally happen. I, could, I would not throw that out the window to see Kip2 <laughs> just run, like, sub 13.10 in the 5K because he just has the weirdest type of racing strategy the way – he ran crazy during the prelims. He ran crazy during Big 12s. Obviously, we saw what we did in cross and indoor. Uh, but, hey, we get to see him again next year, so I'm excited to see. Maybe he's yeah. learning or not learning. I don't know. Is he learning? Does he learn from this race? Does he? No. Well, no. I don't. My point is, okay, if you're if, if you're A plus Kip 2, right, then you're going out 61, right? You're going out way more aggressively. But for B minus or C plus, whatever version of Kip2 this was, he still used the same strategy. It just was to a lesser degree because he clearly wasn't 100%. The better, like the smarter strategy, if his goal was just to, oh, I want to finish fifth or fourth, like why do all that leading? Why go out and even go out in 63? Like make somebody else do it. He did the same strategy, but he wasn't at full fitness for a reason we don't know yet. But, and that's, that's why he, that's why he was going slower. I don't think it was a tactical decision. Hey, I'm going to throw a wrench in the plan and go a lot slower. I think he just needed to go slower because of whatever's going on with him. Um, I just, I'm just still surprised, man. That bell, who was there at the bell? It was crazy. Mance, Deaver, Nur. I'm looking else who was there. Brant. Brant was there Brandt, trying to break the Hamer, not eighth curse. Yeah. Hammer was there, yeah. Masai. So it was six guys who hit the bell at twenty six forty four, and then and then Wildshut was at forty five, Hicks was at forty six, Rodriguez was forty six. So even those guys, you'd say, had a chance to do it. It was yeah. weird. It was not what I expected. I did not. I did not think that many people would be involved. I did not think the people that were involved yeah. were actually involved. Um, that's that's why they run a race. Them. Yeah. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a, a rapid reaction slash previewing to the finals because we're going to go live during the actual men's finals on Friday. We will do another live pod after tomorrow's women's prelims, but let's work our way backwards in time. So the men's mm-hmm. 200 happened. Uh, no one notable didn't really make it. I feel like basically everyone that should have made the 200 and we can even go back to the 100 made it. But I want to talk a little bit about this Houston LSU back and forth we're starting to see. Did you <laughs> did you watch all three sprint races, four by one, one hundred and two hundred? Uh my feed wasn't working for four by one, but I got hundred and two hundred. Yeah. I saw the results for the okay. four by one. I saw Houston and LSU were in the same heat, which was perfect. 
So we all know LSU and Houston have a little bit of history going back to when we even did, when we did the film on Houston back in 20. Oh, I see. 18 or 19 with 19, right? When they did that. Yeah. Uh, we saw those like that look when, you know, Travis Collins and uh, uh, LSU guys. So this is the four by one. Terrence Laird in the prelims of the four by one looks multiple times at Sean Masagawa. I'm hoping, am I saying his name right? I just want to make sure I'm saying his name right. Maswangani. Maswangani. Excuse me. Apologies, Sean. Uh, Maswangani, multiple times, and they both easily qualified. They both are big cues. So then Maswangani follows up in the 100 and looks at okay. him and smokes Terrence Laird in the 100 and does a look at him. And I'm not going to lie, Terrence Laird going into this race, I looked at the heavy favorite in the one and two. But Sean Masanganwi looks, I think, so now this is the back. Now looks to show this. This is Masanganwi looking at Laird to be like, oh, you're going to look at me when he had the lead in the four by one? Well, in an open 100, I'm going to smoke you. And uh, we're just seeing this back and forth. Laird then doing the same thing in the 200. Man, I can't wait to see Laird and Masanganwi face off. Laird was the heavy favorite going in, but I know, I'm not sure if you should take much from a prelim, but. And yeah, Muslim guy, we look good in the prelim. Yeah, let's okay. So, four by one, obviously, the table is set there. FSU is going to yeah. be a factor as well, too. So, don't, don't count out Florida State, but we're going to get a good LSU Houston battle there again. I can see you just want to go out there and film the extra episode of the doc, right? Yes. Already, you just want to get out there, call up the film crew, get them out there. Let's do the extended episode here, the bonus episode at the end. The hundred, actually, let's start with the 200. The 200. Laird's better event of the two, we'd probably say. But if yeah. Joseph Fanbelay of Florida can get even a decent start, not even a great start, if he can just get a decent start, he's going to be an issue in that race. Because he came on the last 70, 80 meters, and it was Lyles-ish. I'll say that, those last few meters. And he closed very hard, got a PB of 20.05, Laird won his heat. Maswangani looked like he was just toying with the field. He won his heat. I think it's between those three, but Makai Harris and Matthew Bowling, Jovan Martin, all there. I mean, that's going to be a great race. The 100, I think, is much more difficult to sort out. Would you agree? Because you have someone yeah, like Martin. You have, you have, who's yeah, you have Martin who's running well. Michael Williams, Bern- Morgan. Burnett, who ran great today for USC. Yeah. Like he's on he's on the come up right now, too. Uh Maswangane, yeah, he beats Laird in that in that prelim. Is that just leftover energy from the the four by one loss? Or is that really the difference between those two right now? I think it's gonna be a different story uh come Friday. But yeah, Maswangani really really impressed me with his both of his efforts. Uh, or all three of his efforts, I should say, just solid, solid across the board. Laird looked good, uh, and Fanbelay is just—it's all about the start with him. I mean, his start, <clears throat> unfortunately, in the hundred, his start just puts him out of it. I mean, he got back and got a a qualifying spot in that in that hundred, but come the final, you're just basically spotting guys two three meters with with a, with a start like that. Yeah. I just excited that we're going to see them all race each other three different times. 
yeah, the four yeah. by one, one hundred, two hundred. And I think it's they're all. This isn't like a a down year. Like we keep on thinking we might get a down year once a lot of people graduate. We see like Divine Oduduru, you know, is gone, or you see like, oh, there, no one's going to come up. But like we're going to see top five all time type marks in these finals yeah. in this one hundred, two hundred. Trayvon Bromel said himself. He said, "Yep, all this is about to lead to a fast hundred come Friday." He knows. He sees the back and forth. He sees what's happening. Um, and there's people that we're not even talking about, like Javon Martin, like you said. He's the NCAA mm-hmm. leader, Florida State. I'm just excited. That's going to be one of the highlights of Friday is just seeing who becomes victorious of those like big three, big four guys. Um, yeah. Right now, I'm going to – based on just look going into today, it was all Laird. I was like, Laird's going to win it all. But now, I don't know. Austin Ganwe, man, I, I kind of want to start thinking Houston might win, off, pull off the triple, win the four by one, one hundred and two hundred. I don't know why he's, not. It could happen. He's he feels it looks like he's coming into his own there, just like he's he's gaining confidence with every race. Laird is just so solid, and he's been so consistent this year. It it makes him a good pick, and then you got Williams running at home for Oregon yeah. in the hundred at least, and as you mentioned, Martin is the the national, the national leader based on based on time. It's yeah. I did not anticipate the beginning of the year the men's hundred being this this hot, but it's going to be amazing. Like by time, it's kind of wild. Laird has the slowest qualifying hundred time. Now he got an auto qualifier. He got a big Q, but that just shows you how competitive this hundred is going to be. And Williams for for Oregon, yeah, ten point one one after that 60 title, he's got, he are all these guys, they have big race experience. It feels like, even though we haven't seen them in a big race and that's what makes it, makes it fun to watch. All right. Do you want to go in backwards order? Or do you just want to jump around to the stuff that make the most headlines here? I mean, we do whatever we want. We're kind of, we're winging it. It's, it's Wednesday night. It's, it's 1140. If you're on the East coast, holler in the chat because yeah. you're staying up till midnight watching us. We really do appreciate that. Um, I will have an update on the team, the team score dynamic of how it changed based off who made finals and stuff like that. I'm just waiting on the men's pole vault to become final, and then we'll be able to sort that out. All right, but yeah, let's talk. What, let's what, talk what's Yeah, So we got. I mean, 400 hurdles went went pretty much to form. High hurdles went for form. Steeple, 400. Randolph Ross looks good. Trevor Stewart. No Williams all looked solid. I think the other races to zoom in on, besides for the field event finals, with basically Juvon Harrison doing Juvon Harrison things and winning his fifth NCAA title in the long jump. I think the the bigger stories would have been in the eight and the fifteen, particularly the fifteen. Just how fast that final is going to be. I don't see it going other any other way unless Iliad Kipsang does what Kip Two does tonight, which I don't think that's the case because he looks fit and ready to go. It's interesting, Gordon. If you got your heat assignment for a 1500 in a championship meet where you needed to qualify, would you be mad that Iliad Kipsang was in your heat or would you be happy that he was in your heat? Happy. I want to always be in the fast heat. I'm not and you know to... you're going to get the fast heat. He guarantees your yeah. heat is going to have a quick time. And he did that in this race. And what's crazy is like, he got it going quick. But then he didn't push it to win. He was perfectly content slowing down in that home stretch. And Nagus goes by. Garcia Romo goes by. 
and he's fine. But they just cruised to 337. So I don't see any way that this is going to go slow in the in the final. Uh, and it impacted the second heat too because Cole Hawker went right to the front, and I thought, okay, maybe he's going to slow this thing down. No, they went out pretty quick, and he he won that second heat in in 338. So we're going to get the Nagoose, Kipsang, Hawker, Tanner, Showdown. How many people do you think can win this? Actually, I'm curious. How many people do you think have a legit shot on Friday of winning this? I mean, I would say a legit shot. I'd say two have a legit shot. Five could win. So two are like, yeah, you, you're you're very likely to win. Five, I wouldn't be surprised. And then mm-hmm. the other seven, I would be shocked. So are you going to name them? The two, or are you just going to say the numbers? Two, the two would be Hawker and Nagoose. Those okay. are the heavy favorites. And then the three, four, five guys would be Kip Sang, Sam Tanner, Tanner, and I would go with um, what's his name, uh, Suleiman. Okay, because I just believe in Ole Miss, and they, you know, the Suleiman's the best of the two of between him and Mario Garcia Romo. So, and then the and then the rest, I would be surprised. Here's. Here's why I think this is interesting, and this is a, a bigger conversation than just this 1,500-meter race. But the men's 1,500 this year in particular has just taken on a totally different attitude, Gordon. We've talked about it on the pro side of things with people like Hoare, people like Josh Kerr, Timothy Chariot. Well, he's been doing it for a couple of years. But getting after it and making the 1,500 actually a 1,500 instead of a – 600 with a warm-up of 900 meters before it and there's going to be there could be the collegiate record on friday there could be several people breaking the old collegiate record on friday and people are going to yell about the shoes and they're going to go shoe 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 shoes and that's fine i i think the shoes help otherwise everybody wouldn't be wearing them but you also need to take into account that we have had a small amount of 1500s and championship races where people really go for it from the gun. And if we had more of those throughout history, maybe times would be quicker because we would have people in the prime shape of their season getting after it instead of just trying to close quickly. And I just think it's so interesting because the 1500 was not like this five, six years ago. We did not see this five or six years ago. They let Iliad Kipsang go. Five or six years ago, Heat 2, Cole Hawker, the favorite, he goes to the front and he just slows that thing down because he says, I'm Cole Hawker. I'm the indoor mile champion. I'm the indoor 3K champion. You guys are all going to have to outkick me. Watch how slow I can go in this first 400. I'm going to drop a 70. Hell, maybe I'll do a 72 just to screw around. But the entire vibe around this event has just changed. And I don't know when it started. I don't know where it started. I'd like to do a full investigation on it. You could say it's, oh, it's the shoes, it's the shoes. But that doesn't have anything to do with the fact of people deciding to go out. They're all wearing the shoes, right? Tactically, it doesn't make any sense why now all of a sudden you'd go out fast versus pre-shoes. That to me doesn't make 
any sense. It's some sort of change in attitude with the competitors, and it's just been contagious to the point where we have races uh, like this. And it's great. This is good. I want better 1500s. I don't, I mean, we, when it's not, I mean, people, some people like sitting kicks and seeing 343 win it, you know, like when Mac yeah. Fleet was doing his thing, you know, winning the sitting kicks. But I liked it when you have people just go from the gun and it keeps it honest. And then it's truly like the best wins. It's not just like, who has got lucky with a crazy crowd with 200 meters to go. I mean, that is an interesting part of sport when there's like that little bit of chaos, but a lot of times you kind of want like it to be hard. So you know that you're really kind of weeding out the week before you get to that final 300 final 200, as opposed to letting someone weak come in and still steal a slot, but what? And it's not so. Well, it's not even it's not even that because they're all good because they're all at that level and just to even sure, qualify sure. you got to compared to others. Yeah, I'm just saying stylistically, it's fun for a change to watch this type of racing. When I was in Doha and people were just going for it, and my theory there was the air conditioned stadium. People weren't worried about the heat at all. Like it was really easy to to get yourself suckered into a fast pace. It was interesting. It was so much fun to to see how the rest of the field reacts, and it was fun to see distance runners in the best shape of their season get to put that fitness to the test for the full distance that they're competing and not have it just be a last lap burn up or two laps to go right we already have the 800 we don't need to see it again in the 1500 we already have the 1500 we don't need to see it again in the 5000 again it's it's fine and and it's they're still worthy uh people winning those races and they sometimes develop into really exciting races, but it's good just to see a change. It's good to see a switch. And it's just interesting because I thought for sure, I'm like, man, Hawker heat two going to the front. All right. He's going to slow this down. And there's going to be for sure. No qualifiers out of this. Now they didn't get any qualifiers out of that heat, but it wasn't for lack of trying. Right. They got after it. 338 in a prelim. Are you kidding me? I mean, we're trying, we're normalizing sub, 340, which is great. We need to normalize it more. So yeah. 340 should be a, a baseline for every elite field that, in the NCA system, which is great. Yeah. Well, we'll see if it continues, but it's great. I One just, other I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying this. Hold on. Well, I, I want to talk about the DQ too in the 15, if you want, because I know you like DQs. But like, I, I, I say this just because we're going to get inundated with shoe takes after the 1500. And I just want people to to be prepared for that, that you could also say, hey, it's just the fact that we have people going for it in 1,500-meter finals, which they haven't done in years. All right, Reed Brown from Oregon, DQ'd. What do you think? What was the reason? Home stretch looked like he passed on the right at the line, passed right on the inside from the angle I saw. I only saw one angle. It was from very far away. I could not draw any conclusions, but it looks like that's where it, that's where it came from. Man, Oregon Milers, you said to me in text, they keep on getting DQ'd. Saw James West dealing with his stuff. Now you see Reed Brown here again DQ'd in this 1500. Uh, it's always a bummer, but especially, I mean, sometimes 1500-meter DQs are kind of weird because – Mm-hmm. it's such right. like a, it's a fast tactical race a lot of times. So there's a lot more 
touching and pushing and like missed trips and steps that can kind of cause people to lose balance. Um, Cause you're just going at such a quicker pace than you would be going like in a 5k or 10k. So you can easily lose your balance. Um, but yeah, it was a bummer. Uh, kind of feel bad for Reed Brown on his home track. Oregon only getting looks like one guy wow. into the final after having three there and West and Brown, both not making it. Um, but there's one event Same I want to talk about. The eight, the 800. Yeah. I want to talk about the 800. So I was really looking forward to the second heat of the 800 because in the second heat, you had the number one and number three ranked athletes in Isaiah Jewett and Brandon Miller, both 145 guys. You had the number four ranked athlete in Festus Legat, who's one better kickers, who's run 146 low. And then he also had Devin Dixon, who is not the same as what he was in 2019, but he's run 144. So I was like, well, yeah. that's going to be a wild heat. And I was like, who's going to get out of this? And both of the 145 guys go 3-4. Like the number one mm-hmm. and three ranked athletes get third and fourth in that heat. I was like, this is incredible. Uh Fortunately, both Miller and Jewett still got in on time because the final heat wasn't uh, fast enough. Mm. But uh, this final has a lot of interesting like dynamics because you don't really have a true favorite, but you have a lot of really interesting kickers. You have Yusuf Bismena, who's been running on fire for Texas, who can kick with the best of them. Festus Legat, who we know is a great kicker. Finley McLear. My favorite one-time American, now British guy, who I <laughs> called American, but he was never American. He can kick. He, he, he saw what he did in the indoor scene against Charlie Hunter. Charlie Hunter, he's the indoor champion. He can kick. And then you have yeah. the, the, the people who are actually fast, like Isaiah Jewett and Brandon Miller, who are true 145 guys, who I think in a perfect race can run 144. I think, I think Jewett or Miller are good enough to potentially get third at the Olympic trials. Like, that's how strong I think they are. Whoa. I don't know if they will now, but, like, I'm just really excited for this race because I don't know who's going to win. And I think whoever does win is going to have the race of their life because it just is going to be such a dynamic field. But that's all I got to say about the 800. I'm ex- most excited about that one. You're sleeping on – did you did you even mention Heat 2's winner name? The guy who beat – Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, Shane Shrike. Yeah, of Lipscomb. Shane Shrike of – Lipscomb. There we go. Great. And Festus Legat, your guy, your guy Festus got in. That was a wild last 50 meters. And I thought those dudes were, I thought they were both going to be out, but turns out those times, times held just a, just a wild race. I'm rolling with Hunter. If I had to make a pick Hunter at home, indoor champion, I think he looked pretty relaxed. I think he used, the least amount of energy from any of these guys. Uh, I know that's a, not a scientific metric from where I was watching on my couch, but he looked he looked like he was in a good position the entire time. I'm rolling with Texas. Along. I'm rolling with Yusuf of Texas. You got two. Ba- got. If you go with Texas, you get two because Creighton Carosa made it as well too. Yeah, you get two two Texas. for one there. I mean, shout out to Lipscomb having two guys in the meet. That was pretty. Right? That was pretty impressive as well, too. Drake had uh, Drake had two fifteen hundred guys in the meet. That's right. Yeah, exactly. It's cool seeing these smaller schools get multiple guys in, a, in an event. Um, I think we end this podcast talking about the team implications because interesting things happened. Obviously, LSU heavy favorite going in. 
mm-hmm. going into this meet, I had LSU projected to score 87. However, LSU's 4x4 four four didn't qualify, which is oh, crazy. No. I had them getting second oh. in the 4x4. Four four. LSU's uh, one of their hurdlers, Eric Edwards, didn't, didn't qualify. qualify. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, this is going to be a big deal. But this is the thing. LSU found ways to get points in the hammer, and they freaking won the javelin. LSU won the javelin throw. Uh, bring up the results of the javelin. I, I, had, I don't think I had them even scoring in the javelin. It's at the top. Travis, boom, down a bit more. There you go. <laughs> I don't know how to say his name. Zuriel Pedigo. Zuriel Pedigo, the freshman, wins it in 76 meters. Those are massive PB. Beats out the Mississippi State guys, where I thought it would go like one, two, three. But anyway, because of that LSU, and uh, they had John Nadal, Nadal did a good job in the hammer, LSU is projected to score 84 points now. So they went from 87 to 84. Oregon went from 47 to 45, so they still hold on to their second-place projected finish. USC had a bad day. They went from 44 to 30. Texas went from 40 to 42, so they moved up. And North Carolina A&T went from 32 to 37. So right now, the projected top four are LSU with 84, Oregon with 45, Texas with 42, and North Carolina A&T with 37. Okay, but in those projections, you have Laird sweeping. You have Noah Williams winning. Do you have Burrell yes. winning the foreign hurdles? And do you have Damian Thomas winning the high hurdles? Uh, I have – yes, I have Damian Thomas winning the hurdles. And I have Burrell getting fourth in the foreign hurdles. Okay. I just want to see how much margin for error they have. Listen, I mean, Javon Harrison's going to get you another 10. And you figure yep. Laird is not going to not going to drop too low. They hold on to the baton in the four by one. It would need to be a catastrophically bad day for LSU not to win this. I mean, you're giving them forty points, right? So, all the people out there listening, you can have a, bet, a friendly bet with your friends. Set the over under LSU's margin of victory at forty, and just see what happens. And you might you might be good if you take the over. Yeah, I thought. I, mean, I thought Rayvon Gray in the long jump finishing back in seventh. I thought that might impact them. And then I saw Edwards didn't make the final, but they're they just fine. add points in the they add points in the throws and and they're all good to yeah. go. Um, all right, should we leave it there? We got it. See, the thing is with yeah. these late night things, we gotta we gotta get ready for tomorrow because we gotta get this posted up. Thanks everybody uh, for tuning in live on the Flow Track Podcast YouTube page. We'll be back tomorrow. What time, Gordon? Again, what's the time? Uh, tomorrow time? at 8.50. So basically, right after the women's 10K, come here. Yeah, after the women's 10K. Hop on. We'll talk again. And that's it. Sorry, the music cut out. Lost my train of thought. Thanks to Colt for producing. Thanks to Travis for producing. Yeah. Gordon, thank you. Thanks, everyone, in the chat. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday. <laughs>